Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. acting people in elevators. You know what I'm talking about. You get on a crowded elevator and people will not make eye contact. It bugs me. 30 floors later, you realize not a word has been spoken the entire journey. And everyone is facing the same way. They're all looking at the buttons and checking the floors. Heaven help anyone that does not conform to this cultural normality. But not everyone does conform. I read where sociologist preacher Tony Campolo got on the elevator one time. And he realized everyone was standing like statues behind him. So he turns around and faces them and he starts leading them in the chorus You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. I know he's older than dirt, but I'd love to have Tony come preach for us here because he's the kind of guy that I'd like to be around. Tony's braver than most people. People do remain silent in elevators, and they stare at the floor numbers. And one man asked one day, a group of people, he said, what do you suppose Jesus would say to people in an elevator? And there was an immediate response from one of the guys on the elevator. He said, Jesus might ask, going up? (laughs) It's interesting that 2,000 years after Jesus' birth and subsequent death and resurrection, we're still asking, what would Jesus do? In a few days, we're going to celebrate the end of the calendar year. 2013, and we're going to embark on a new year, 2014. Let me be the first to tell you on this Sunday, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Clap your hands. Come on. You're, you're going to be able to see a brand new year. The first Sunday of 2014, ready or not, is next Sunday. The first Sunday in a new year. Today is the last Sunday. And we celebrate today the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I remember at the first of this year, I preached about Jesus Christ. I preached about him as our Alpha. And today, I preach about him as our Omega. There is a lot of things that have happened to us in this calendar year. There's a lot of things that have transpired A lot of things that have been good, a lot of things that have been not so good, a lot of things that have been particularly beautiful in our life and some that have been fairly ugly in our life. But I will tell you this, that Jesus Christ has been the constant all year long. If you start your journey with him, the Bible said he is able to complete that, that he has begun in your life. The only one to ever say that was Jesus Christ. So today, we celebrate, we clap our hands for Jesus Christ, King of kings. Jesus Christ, Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus Christ, 
the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ, our salvation and our healer. Jesus Christ, our deliverer. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, the one that saved us. Jesus Christ, the one that has healed our bodies. Jesus Christ, the one that has kept our families together. Jesus Christ, the one that goes with you when nobody else goes with you. We celebrate Christ the King today. Hallelujah. And because the presence of Thanksgiving and Christmas, we probably don't give this final Sunday of the year the attention it deserves. But it is an important day. I'll draw your attention to two lessons from Scripture. The first is found in the Gospel of John. Pilate is quizzing Jesus Christ. And Pilate asked him, So you are the king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, and for this I was born, and for this I came into the world. Jesus answered Pilate's question, With Pilate's own phrase, you say that I'm a king. I will declare to you, it doesn't matter what Jesus is. You've got to declare him as that in your life. Oh, let me preach right now. It don't matter what he is. You have to declare him that in your life. Is he a king to you? Does he help you in all situations? Is he there for you? I don't want to be a questioning pilot at the end of the year. So you are a king, huh? No. I want to declare to him today. You are my king. You are this church's king. You are the king of this whole world. Hallelujah. There is none like you in all the earth. There's none like you in all the heaven. Quit having a question mark today. Start exclamating something and say, you are the king of kings and Lord of lords of my life. Come on, say it right now. You're that kind of God to me. And the other is from the book of Revelation. John was writing to the seven churches that were in Asia. In verse 4 through 6, he says, grace to you. He says, grace and peace be with you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. Verse 5, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's not just a king. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I want to declare to you right now. He either is king Or he is pauper to you. He's either king or he is nothing to you. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all to you today. I want to say today on week number 52, Sunday number 52, 
Christ, the anointed one, is the king. Christ, the anointed one, is the king. There's not a disease he can't heal. There's not a lost soul he can't save. There's not a demon he can't cast out. There's not a, there's not a funeral he can't interrupt. There's not anything happening in this world that he doesn't have under his feet. Everything is under him. And so we celebrate the one who is above everything and above all and through all and in us all. And we celebrate him today. Would you like to give Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, a great hand clap today? Would you enjoy doing that today? Would you enjoy that today? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. There's three little points I want to make today about this King of Kings, this Christ the King. Jesus is someone who understands us. Everybody say he understands us. Jesus, point one, is someone who understands us. I'm so glad he does. When we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas, we call it Emmanuel, God with us. God came near to us, so near that he robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. So when you had seen him, as he said in John, you had seen the Father. For the Father dwelt in him. And the works that he did, he could not do of himself. Or in other words, he could not do of the flesh. But the Father that dwelt in him, he did the works. So Jesus came to walk among us to understand us. And I'm so glad that we're not crying out to a Savior today that doesn't know the plight that we are in today. I'm glad we have a Savior that got so personal with us. That he walked among us and he dwelt among us. Now, I love living in the 21st century, but I wish that there was such a thing as time travel because I would like to have seen him when he walked on this earth. Knowing what I know in Scripture and going back in time and watching him operate, I would have loved to do it. But folks, listen to me. He doesn't operate any greater then than he does now. Because the knowledge that he gained by being one of us was absolutely off the chart. I read a story about a, a movie actress one time who was prepping for a movie. And the name of the movie was Bridget Jones. It was several years ago. And the actress was working as in, in research the part of a secretary for this large publishing company over in England. And her name was Renee Zellweger. She's a Texas girl. And for two months, this Hollywood actress carried out this humble task of sending out review books and filing newspaper cuttings and, 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 and making the coffee for the people and oblivious to her real identity, full-time staff offered this humble gopher advice about the best places to eat in London and how to get into London's publishing world and we want to help you because we see that you need help. You're a humble little secretary. Later they were stunned. That in those two months, no one in the office recognized the Golden Globe winning actress who later became an Academy Award winning actress. And one member of the staff did wonder why the new girl kept a picture of Jim Carrey on her desk. She was dating Carrey at the time. And it's not unusual 
for actors and actresses to submerge himself or herself into a role like that. We love to watch the show at our house, Undercover Boss. I love to watch Undercover Boss. I love to watch those guys who think they know it all tell the boss who owns the company how to run the company. Oh, it's fun. But Jesus was one of those kind of people. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But it didn't stop there. But to those who received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Professionals want to get it right. Joseph Turner was an English painter, and he invited a man he, he invited a man with an eye for paintings to his studio one day to see a picture of the, what he had painted of a storm at sea. And in admiration, the, the, the admirer, Charles Kingsley, said, it's wonderful, it's so realistic, how did you do it? And Turner, the artist, replied, well, I went to the coast of Holland and I engaged a fisherman to take me out in the sea in the next storm. And when I boarded the boat as the storm was brewing, I asked that captain of that boat to bind me to the mast, tie me up. And then he guided his boat to the eye of the storm. He said, the storm raged around me with such fury that at times I longed to be at the bottom of the boat where the waves would blow over me. But he said, I could not. I was bound to the mast. Not only did I see the storm in its raging fury, I felt the storm in its rage and fury. And it blew over me, as it were, until I became a part of it. And after this terrible ordeal, ordeal, I went back to my studio and I painted the picture. See, it's not unusual for a great artist and great people to gain perspective of something and someone he or she is portraying. But it's a, it, it's a unique contention of Christians that the Lord of the universe emptied himself to walk where we walk, to experience what we experience. He knows the storms that you have gone through in 2013. He has been to many, many cemeteries in his life. He understands how to raise the dead from the grave. He understands how to cast demons out of a man who lived among the cemetery stones. He understands how to take care of situations because he put himself into our lives. Isn't it an awesome thing to know that we are worshiping a Savior today who understands my upbringings, who understands my downgoings. He knows where I'm at. He knows what I'm about. And I love him today because he didn't leave me down here to just face it by myself. He said, I'll be where you are. I'll walk where you walk. I'll talk what you talk and I'll be a God to you throughout the whole entire era of your life. He's king of kings. He's king of kings. He's king of kings. The second thing that he did was that he set such a high standard. He set such a high standard. You know, it's an amazing thing to me. I think sometimes I can't love anymore. I can't love people anymore. I can't, I can't forgive anymore. I can't do it anymore. And then I realize that I'm preaching for and serving a Savior that tells me not to forgive seven times a day, but seven times 70 in one day. 490 times a day. Break that down to seconds, and you got to do some good math. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You cannot ever get to the realm of the standard that he established for us when he established how to forgive and how to love and how to help and how to encourage 
when you start thinking about how great he is and how awesome he is and yet we're made in his image, we're created in his likeness and I have to somehow emulate that, I come so far short. But thank you, Lord, for setting a standard. Thank you, Lord, for setting a high calling in my life that I can try my best to attain to. Paul said to the Corinthians, you don't do wise when you compare yourself among yourself. And so many times we get our eyes on others. And we start saying, well, I'm doing better than them. Big deal. They're not the standard setter. The standard setter is Christ the King. The standard bearer is Christ the King. I had two people in my life that pushed the fire out of me when I was in school. One was my, one was my senior English teacher. And the other was my junior and senior math professor. I called him a professor because he was weird enough to be a professor. He was something else. Mr. Kempson was absolutely off the chart. He was a man used to run the football chains on Friday night. And I don't care if it was 15 degrees or if it was 60 degrees, Mr. Kempson always had a short sleeve shirt on. He was, he was the bear of our school. He didn't smell good. He didn't take a lot of baths. He really didn't. When you went up to ask him a question, you kind of ask him like this. He's over here and you talk to him like this. But Mr. Kempson put something in me. He put something in me. He looked at me one day and he said, look at me, son, look at me. He said, math is an awesome thing. And you need to be a good mathematician. You need to be a good math man. And I, I majored in it when I went to college. He said, you need to be a good math man. But I want to tell you something. You got to be a good man. More than just a good math man. And I'll never forget it. And one day, Miss Birchall, my English teacher, she was about four foot ten. She wasn't big enough to whip a black-eyed pea. But she came by me one day and yanked on my ear because I was flirting with some girls in the classroom and I wasn't paying attention. Hello, young people. I wasn't paying attention. She jerked my ear. She said, you're better than that. Quit that. That's why I've got these big old lobes on my ears because <laughs> Miss Birchall used to pull my ears all the time. But I look back and then it was, leave my ear alone. But now I'm thinking, God, thank you for letting somebody pull my ear and saying you're better than that. You can achieve that. You can grow. You can be better than that. And then I was working for a man one day, and in my second year of college, I was still sacking groceries and still stocking groceries, and he walked up to me, and I told him, I said, Sir, Mr. Turnell, I said, Sir, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to uh, have to quit this job. I've got to move to another city. He said, where are you going, to seminary? I said, yeah, I'm going to seminary, sir. I'm going to be a preacher. I was embarrassed to tell him. And I'll never forget, he squared me up in that stocking aisle. And he said, son, he said, you wasn't meant to be here. You were meant to be there. And I thank God for people that had the capacity to raise the standard in my life. 
to say I didn't belong where I thought I belonged and I wasn't supposed to be where I thought I was at that time. And so help me God as a pastor of this church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you in 2014. I'm going to share the gospel with you because God wants us to be better people. He wants us to be greater people. He set a high standard for us and he sent a pastor in your life and somebody to say, this is where God wants you to be. Come on, pick yourself up. Get yourself going. God is for you. And God wants you to be a better person than you could ever imagine you could be in life. He set a, he set a high standard. And people in my life have set high standards. Jesus said it this way. He said, for I tell you, Matthew 5 and 20, unless your righteousness exceeds that the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And what he was saying was not not fussing about little dogma situations. It's not about that. But it's about understanding. It's about understanding the, the concepts of what righteousness is all about. There's a standard. There's a standard that Jesus Christ set for us. He loved when people hated him. He gave when people didn't appreciate. Amen. He healed people that never said thanks. He did that. And some of us have to understand that we're going to do things in our lives sometime and people are not going to come up and say thank you for it. But it's all right because we have a standard bearer named Jesus Christ. I remember reading a portion of a book. In fact, I read the cleft note version how to become a rainmaker. And in that book, Jeffrey Fox tells about a young manager in a large corporation who captured the attention of his company, Salesforce, by offering terrific prizes if they... If they, if they met their sales quotas. And the contest rules were easy. Reach your quota, you win. Fall short, you lose. There were no exceptions. And three weeks before the first contest deadline, an earthquake hit Los Angeles. It's in the book, How to Become a Rainmaker. And the California sales office was badly damaged and the business was interrupted and they couldn't even come to work. And the California sales team did not reach its quota. And California was the largest market in this young manager's company. And the California sales team had a great influence in the company. They wanted the prizes even though they had not made their quota. But the manager, the young manager said no. The California sales teams just started using their muscle. They had an ally. And the powerful vice president of sales exercised his power, insisted that the manager award the California people with the prizes even though they had fallen short because of the earthquake. And the vice president argued that his team missed the quota only by a few percentage points. Be reasonable, he said. There was an earthquake, but the young manager said earthquakes don't count. Wow, I love this. This is tough preaching. Earthquakes don't count. He didn't award California a prize. So the next year, there was record blizzards in Chicago. There were floods in Mississippi, a brownout in New York City, a natural gas shortage, and a political crisis in Washington. And yet the next year, every region in the country hit its quota. That's good preaching. I don't care who you are. You may be asleep right now, but that's good preaching. The best leaders set high standards and expect their followers to reach those standards. Please don't misunderstand. We're saved by grace and not by works. But Christ has placed his people in the world to be salt, to be light, and to be leaven. And we're a light set on a hill. 
people ought to be able to tell who we are and whose we are. John wrote in Revelation to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom of priests. We are Christ's representatives in the world. We're to reflect his love and his acceptance and there's a high standards and earthquakes don't count. Somebody ought to praise the Lord and say, Pastor, I came out of a bad shake this year. I came out of some terrible times, but I'm still magnifying the King of Kings today and the Lord of Lords because he set a standard in my life. Wow. 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 The third thing, not only does he understand us, not only does he set a high standard for us, but the third thing is that he is our Savior. He's our Savior. Wow. Everybody say, He's my Savior. He is my Savior. We are those whom He loved so much that He gave His life on our behalf. Wow. It's pretty simple, folks. One of the simplest sermons you'll ever hear me preach in 2013 is the last one of the year. And yet, it's probably going to be the most profound because he is king. He is Lord. No matter what you call him, he's not coming down off of his throne. He is king. He is Lord. No matter what kind of words you put on him, no matter if you curse him, he still is king. He still is Lord. No matter if you don't honor him with your presence in his house, he still is king. He still is Lord. No matter if he doesn't get your praise, no matter if he doesn't get your tithe and offering, he still is praise. He still is king. He still is Lord. He's still the one that you need to bless you in your life. You need it. You need it. I close with this story. All of us know the name Louis Pasteur. The man who revolutionized the practice of medicine, what was once known as a germ theory. We're probably not as familiar with his co-worker in these experiments. There was a man named Dr. Felix Rue. Rue was a Jewish doctor that lived in Paris. And Dr. Rue's granddaughter died of black diphtheria. And Rue vowed he would find out what killed his granddaughter. So Rue locked himself in his laboratory for days and emerged with a fierce determination to prove with his colleague, Louis Pasteur, that the germ theory was more than just a theory. The medical association had disproved of Pasteur and had succeeded in getting him exiled and threw him out of Paris. But Pasteur did not go far from Paris. He and Rue hid in the forest. This is so, it's so unbelievable and built a laboratory in which to continue the forbidden research. They found 20 beautiful horses that were led out of the forest of this improvised laboratory. And scientists and doctors and nurses came to watch the experiment. And Rue opened the steel vault and took out a large pail filled with black diphtheria germs, which he had cultured carefully for months. And there was enough germs in that pail to kill everyone in France. And the scientists went 
to each beautiful horse and swabbed its nostrils and its tongue and its throat and its eyes with those deadly germs. Then the scientists waited several days for the outcome. Soon the horses developed a terrific fever and all but one soon died. And most of the doctors and scientists wearied of the experiment did not remain for what they thought would be the death of the last horse. But the orderly on duty while Rue and Pasture and several others were sleeping on cots in the stable had been instructed to awaken the scientist if there was any change in the remaining animal's temperature. About 2 a.m., the temperature of the last surviving horse decreased by half degree. And the orderly awakened Ruin Pasteur. And by morning, the horse's temperature had dropped two more degrees. And by night, the fever was gone entirely. And this last horse was able to stand and to eat and to drink. And he wasn't sick. Then Dr. Rue drew blood from the veins of this animal that had developed the disease but survived it. And the scientists were driven quickly to a municipal hospital in Paris. And they forced their way, literally, they, this is a movie, they forced their way past the superintendent and the guards and entered a ward where 300 babies had been segregated to die from black diphtheria. And they just waiting on them to die. And with the blood of this last surviving horse, they forcibly inoculated every one of the babies. And all but three babies lived. 297 out of 300 lived and didn't die. They were saved by the one who had overcome. They were saved by the one who had overcome. They were saved by the horse that hadn't died. Jesus Christ said, be of good cheer. When he came out of the grave, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. <laughs> I don't know what he is to you. He may be more midget than mighty. He may be more weak than strong. But I will stand on this platform today and tell you that the one that saved me, death couldn't hold him. The one that saved me, the grave couldn't contain him. The one that saved me came out of the grave victorious. And he had the keys of death and of hell. And he walked out. And they made up stories about him. But he overcame. He overcame. He overcame. And that blood, that blood is what saved me. For I was not saved by silver and gold. But by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the reason I'm an overcomer today. The reason I preach an overcoming message today, the reason I can preach that he's king of kings is because the overcomer is the one that has saved my soul.
sold today. Oh, woo! Come on, clap your hands. He understands me. He set a high standard, but he has saved me. 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 I've been saved by the overcomer. I've been saved by the standard bearer. I've been saved by one who understands where I'm at right now. I've been saved by him. I've been saved by him. I've been saved by him. (laughs) So, when he saved me, I ought to have a better understanding. When he saved me, I ought to understand his standard of love and forgiveness. And when he saved me, I ought to understand that if he overcame, I can overcome. Because I don't have defeated blood in me. I have overcoming blood in me. I have overcoming power. I have overcoming power. I have overcoming power. In Revelation, he said, To he that overcometh will I give a white stone. Now, you understand this. People in that day, if they had a bad day, they put a colored stone in the earth. If they had a good day, they put a white stone. But here's what I want to tell you. With Jesus Christ... I don't care how bad the day is, every day is a white stone day. Amen. Every day. Because we've been saved by the overcomer. We've been saved by the overcomer. And so today is King of Kings Day. It's Christ the King Day. The anointed is King of my life. Pilate, I don't know what he is to you, but I know what he is to me. He's my King. I want you to stand to your feet all over the building. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.